On the line with us today, we have Mark Graney, the best-selling author, and the book that's soon to be out is called The Chaos Agent. It's another Gray Man novel. This will be number 13, Mark. You're, is that lucky or what? What do you think? Well, we're about to find out. I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great that you've got that thing going. And if, for people who don't know, and I don't imagine there are very many that don't, uh, we're talking about spy action thrillers. Uh, Mark's really made his mark here in that category. And Mark, you know, one of the things I noticed, and, and I've been getting into the book, and it just follows a year, 2023, when, boy, it's all, I think every time you turned around, it was AI, artificial intelligence, up and down uh, every, in every conceivable manner. It's great, jump on the bandwagon, it's terrible, look out, here goes civilization. What do you make of that? Because it's a, it's a big part in your book, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, if you're... First, before I answer that, I have to say, when I started researching this book, I very intentionally looked at the dark side of artificial intelligence. So that yeah, uh, which I, is much. Yeah, yeah, which is a lot. But uh, yeah, that biases me and maybe skews my opinion. But I mean, there, it's obviously, to me, very, very scary. And when I first started researching this book, I was very interested in all these private companies um, you know, the civilian world that is really fueling the growth of artificial intelligence and how that could be maybe used by a bad actor because there's fuel and, uh, you know, the ego, the ambition and the greed are fueling um, this, you know, race for ever more sophisticated artificial intelligence. And and I was very interested on how that could all go wrong. And of course, in, and we don't need to get into the plot of the new book, let people read that for themselves. But the, the setup is, and, and I think anyone who's had any even just remote uh, curiosity, the AI concern as it applies to military action is that you're going to get even more sophisticated weapons and things that work on their own and, you know, on and on it goes. So that, there's a real danger factor uh, that, that uh, obviously you were reading about when you uh, did research on the book. Absolutely. Uh, lethal autonomous weapons, or otherwise known as killer robots, are, um, you know, a, a field that's really, really advancing. And the the more sophisticated that artificial intelligence gets, the the faster these things work. They, you know, once we get to a point where China or some other bad actor is able to fight wars at machine speed, uh, the human beings here in the United States will be at an incredible, dis not at a disadvantage. It, it, it's almost like when, when the Gatling gun was invented, it was invented to save lives, <laughs> which seems amazing. But it was <laughs> the idea was you could put four guys at a gun and it, they would do the work of 100. So you wouldn't be putting as many people in danger. But what does the world do? The world just throws more people at them and um you know, and then develops their own, the, the weapon proliferates and the other side has it too. And and artificial intelligence is just like that. It's like nuclear uh, weapons or the Gatling gun. This big revolution is coming as far as uh, what's out there that can that can hurt us. Well, if you want to um, kind of ease your, now that you've alarmed our audience with, with <laughs> all that, uh, <laughs> and, and it's well worth it because obviously these things are going around. But if, if you take a little trip on LinkedIn, at any given time, I swear that 75 or what percent of it is join the AI revolution and do mm -hmm. this and marketing and this. So there's that other side that uh, probably doesn't make for a spy thriller, 
but uh, it's there. By the way, yeah. Mark, I know you do your research, and and I, this is just sort of a question. The Gatling gun, when did that come along? Oh, 1860s, I think. So like, Civil War or? Yeah, it, I think it's sort of like at the, at the end of the Civil War. I'm not 100% sure about that. 1860s or 70s. You didn't, was, you didn't know I, we'd have these pop quizzes in the middle. Of <laughs> yeah, around that area, within within right. 20, 20 years, yeah. Well, and, and then, you know, weaponry is, is something that you uh, incorporate into the book. Now, is that something you've had to do a lot of research on? Because I know I, I was reading one passage and you went into great detail about the uh, the hired killer's gun, that it was a, uh, you know, kind of a custom model. Yeah. So where do you get all that? You know, I started doing research on weapons when I first wanted to be a writer. So let's say five or six years before I actually got published. That's not when I first wanted to be a writer. When I first started taking it seriously, I started doing research on weapons because I knew I, I wanted to write espionage thrillers and military and political thrillers. So um, I, I bought a gun, learned how to shoot it, and then I started going to uh, progressively more sophisticated and, and higher level uh, uh, training uh, schools around the country. And, you know, within a few years, uh, I was... I won't say I'm adept enough to to write about it <laughs> and I own a lot of the firearms that are in the books but yeah there's it's it's an interesting part and then you know the the most important part is all the people you meet when you're at you're staying in a bunkhouse at some school out of town um you know learning close quarters battle or something like that and you you meet a lot of really interesting people that actually live these lives and uh, that's probably the best part of it and you've we're talking with Mark Graney author of uh, the new book uh, the Chaos Agent, and it's a gray man novel, and you've done a lot of traveling. I mean, I think probably because you like to travel, but also for research. So what? which is it? Is it sort of something that's just been in your blood all your life? It's something I've wanted to do all my life and didn't really have the money to do. I went to Europe when I, I as a high school graduation present, my parents sent me to, to Europe and I had a German exchange student girlfriend in high school. So I went and visited her family. And it really, it really fueled my interest. Uh, I didn't go back to Europe for another 15 years just because I couldn't swing it. Uh, but now I think I've been to 36 or 38 countries, most of them researching either uh, one of the books I wrote with Tom Clancy or the uh, the Gray Man novels or a couple other uh, standalone novels that I've done. So yeah, I've, I've been everywhere from China to Russia to Estonia to North Africa. Just got back from West Africa a couple months ago for another book I'm doing. And in the Chaos Agent, uh, I did research in um, Guatemala and Mexico. Right. Yeah. Oh, does that get increasingly difficult now that you know this will be your thirteenth uh, Gray Man novel mm. uh, to find these exotic locales, or, or is there a never-ending supply of those? As far I think there's a never-ending supply for me. I, I will I will run out of things to write about long before I run out of interesting places to go. Um, you know, it I I wanted to write a book in Vietnam because I really had this lifelong interest in going there. And uh, this was several years ago. And I was had the whole trip planned and then found out I had to have surgery on my ankle and I didn't get to go. And I remember being so frustrated because it's like now I can't go to Vietnam for 10 years at least because I can't write another book in Vietnam because <laughs> I'd, I'd already started you know, writing the book. So I, I, it was too late to change horses in midstream. So, um, yeah, I, it's I really enjoy doing it, but it also fuels my creativity and it teaches me a lot about these locations that I'm writing about. Mark, we, I think we, you, you told me last time, and I, but I'm, I'm trying to think now, 
if that's changed or not, your routine as a writer? Because I know you have, it was in the uh, press packet that uh, your Insta family is what they put in quotes that uh, <laughs> you, you, you uh, now you got married and you got three stepchildren and four dogs relatively recently as a result of, yeah. of that. So how does that work with all your writing? Because you have to be churning out a lot of copy. I mean, this book's what, 300 some pages long, or 400, no, it's, it's, 470 it's, yeah. pages. Yeah, it's it's a long book, 170,000 words. I, I always <laughs> look at it in words. Um, Very good. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tougher and tougher and tougher with, with all the other things. I mean, it's obviously the best thing that's ever happened to me is having this great family. Um, I never see my publicity packet, so I didn't know it said Insta. <laughs> it's in there. That's, that's kind of cute. <laughs> Somebody more creative than me came up with that. Um, but but it's 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 true. I mean, I used to in the old days, um, pre-family, it was just me and a couple of dogs, or me and a girlfriend, or whatever. And I would just sit and I could write for six eight hours at a time, and did. And now, um, you know, take the kids to school, and then I back to my office about 8 15 whereas i used to start at 5 30 at a starbucks you know so you feel like wow i've just burned uh, three hours of daylight and haven't done anything but i'm, I'm still generating just about as much stuff i i think i want to slow down um because i've done almost two books a year this uh chaos agent is my 24th published novel um since 2009 but i um but i really like doing it and so you know, there, there's times when you're on deadline where you're really pulling your hair out and you can't figure your story out and you, you know, you, you get really frustrated and you go, wow, you wanted to do this for 20 years before you even got published. So maybe just relax a little bit. Do you have a, and I, I say this only because I've heard this from other authors. Do you have a relationship with an editor or editors that you go back and forth with or how does that work for you? Yeah, I feel like I honestly feel like I have the best editor in the world for me. I don't know if he's the best editor in the world, but um, he's he's hands off unless I need him. And when I need him, he's as hands on as I need him to be, which is fantastic. So basically, I will write out a little thing about what I want the book to be about, just like a very short story about the story I want to tell. And I'll give that to him. And then he'll questions about it. I usually don't have any of the answers when he asks them, but but we work on them together. And then I just go off for six months and write the book. And I might get stuck on a part or I might tell him, you know, I'm worried this part's too slow. Do I, you know, what what does he think about me doing a flashback or something to, to put some action in it? And um, and he just gives me whatever I need. And then at the end, he when he reads it, then he comes back with, you know, the the big issues that he has. And then I'll do a draft after that. So it's, it's really a great, uh, you know, I've written, as I said, 24 books and 22 of them have been with the same editor. And, uh, wow. you know, I hope he, I, I will not let him retire if that day should ever come. <laughs> no, that sounds like a good relationship. Uh, one of the things that, that you do, and I think it's, um, I guess it's important because uh, you're, you're keeping up to date with the, the times but uh, with all the the globe hopping and and uh, the fact that you're dealing with the political uh, sort of scene, uh, Russia and China and all that, um, does that mean you have to kind of keep special tabs on on the news? Uh, I mean, are you are you sort of in you know likely to oh my gosh I got to hear about this or something like that? I mean, wh how tuned in are you to the, all of that? I think I'm pretty tuned in. International affairs has always been where my interests lie. I, I know so little about local news. It's amazing. And, um, 
you know, U.S. national news these days is just depressing with the the political mm -hmm. and, and the the way really? as fractured as we are. You know, I'd, I would rather learn about what Iran is doing <laughs> yeah. um, or what China is doing, sadly. But, yeah, when I was a young, my dad uh, was the head of the local NBC affiliate here in Memphis, Tennessee, where I live. So I grew up around the news. Um, my brothers did, too. But I was the one that, you know, asked all 100 questions about everything and. I had subscriptions to The Economist and U.S. News and all these things when I was 16 years old. So I've always been very fascinated with it. I got a degree in international relations and political science because I was interested in it, not because I thought I was going to be the next big thing at the State Department. It was just, you know, right. like what I what I wanted to study. And um, and it's still the same way. I still feel like that. I don't know if your dad wants to hear you say you don't know anything about local uh, action after <laughs> the time yeah. you put in, probably at the, the affiliate there. Yeah, yeah. In, in the old days, I knew a little bit more because he would tell me about it. But now yeah. it's just like I just look to see how close the crime is to my 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 street. Yeah, that's really what I'm interested in. Now, have you always lived in, in uh, Memphis is your home? Is that is that always been or? It's always been a cup for a couple of years. I lived in Miami uh, when I had a job down there. But uh, Memphis is been where i was born in memphis and i live as the crow flies i live now about a mile from you know the house that i was brought home from the hospital to. so i haven't really expanded i may have gone to 38 different countries but uh my own geography is has made it less than a mile uh, this is totally off uh, topic here but uh, do you do you follow any of the sports teams in memphis yeah, I mean, I've, I go to some Grizzlies games. I'm a big soccer fan, and Memphis has a soccer team, uh, 901 FC. And um, so I, I, that's mostly what I'm interested in. Uh, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I actually have a lot of fun when I go. So I, it's uh, sort of I go for the uh, entertainment, you know, and, and less that I'm following the team. Right. Well, I, the reason I ask that is because uh, I became an adopted Grizzlies fan uh, this year because of Derek Rose. Mm -hmm. uh, who, yeah. of course, I followed with the Bulls, and then he's been other places. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of a homecoming for him because he went to school there. But Right, he did. That team has been – and I'm sorry, folks, if you're not tuned into basketball, but just for one moment, uh, so decimated by injuries. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, they just have, don't have a chance. I know it's it's been a it's been a really really tough year and you know this time last year they were they were oh, just smoking they were right you'd go to the you'd go to the games and it's just like oh I hope it's not too much of a blowout I'd love to see the other team play well well and I like it from another standpoint without any regard to the the, the players I like just the standpoint that a school well it's like Green Bay Packers Memphis and it's not that it's a small town it's not but it's not <clears throat> L A New York Chicago. Right. And to have those teams have success uh, is, I think, is very important. But uh, yeah, well, they have to wait till everyone gets healthy. I think in, on the Grizzlies' case. Yeah, um, once, 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 uh, came, once, once the Grizzlies said they were coming to Memphis, I was like, I don't think a major sports franchise is going to work in in this town, and I couldn't have been more wrong. So <laughs> I'm happy to say that. Well, that's good, and and I think the um, the the thing that you apply in your books, and it certainly looked like attention to detail. Uh, that's that's something that obviously you, you've had that from the beginning at school and everything else. Um, is that is that a difficult thing? I mean, when you when you talk about the big book, one hundred and seventy thousand words or whatever you said, um, when you go over that, I mean, is that like oh, you know, do you groan and moan when you redo something, or have you pretty well made peace with it by the time it's it's done? Oh, no, I, I have not made peace with anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm a very insecure writer when I'm writing. So when I go back and do edits, um, 
I think it I think it benefits the book at the end of the day. It might not benefit my, you know, mental health, but I I I really, really labor and I'll still get stuff wrong. And I'm, you know, as, as I'm writing, I'm like going like, Oh, I'm going to get an email about this because I didn't really explain how the back seat of this helicopter could fold down. And people are, you know, <laughs> it's these little people, people will email you about these little minutiae. Oh, I stuff. bet. Yeah. And, um, and it, it kind of gets in your head a little bit. And um, you know, it, you you write a hundred and seventy thousand word book. That's more than a hundred and seventy thousand decisions. You you had to think of each word and then how to put the words together and whose point of view you're writing in, what you're leaving out. So it's just a you know probably a million decisions <laughs> to write a book, and it's fun overall. But there's these little parts as I as I read back through it on the edits, I'm like, what was I thinking? Who wrote this part? And uh, and I just have to clean it up. You know, it's just part of the process. And are you for now? I know you said um, the 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 idea of foreign countries uh, around the world. There's an unlimited supply, but what about looking for um, specific sort of setups for your for your characters? Um, is that something that you know? In others, you can't always put them in a in a small town at a coffee shop or something like that. Are you, are you constantly thinking about that or or the setups? Um, regardless of where it is, but uh, how do, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's really one of the toughest part. That's, that's like a, a, a resource that doesn't replenish as fast as some of the other resources. And, you know, you can only write so many books where the, uh, you know, Chinese intelligence are the bad guys or North <laughs> Korean is, is the, you know, nuclear weapons is, is the subject or whatever. And I remember when I was writing the Tom Clancy novels after Tom passed the Jack Ryan novels, I, I had written seven in total, three with Tom and four um, after he passed. And, uh, and I was like, I just can't go back to the well again and, and make it a good book. You know, it's like, I could take the money and churn out, you know, a, a 600 page novel, but it's not going to be good. Like it's not going to be fresh because I've used everything that I think I can use in this world. So let's, let's pass it on to somebody else. Rayman is a little bit different because all I need is a big idea. And I know the characters so well, and I, I know kind of how I want them to develop throughout the series that once I have my big idea, let's say it's artificial intelligence, um, run right. amok or <clears throat> whatever it, uh, you know, Russian intelligence, uh, funneling money to, to us interests. The, I can go from there and it doesn't make it easy. It's still pulling my hair out a lot, but um, you know, it, it is really hard to write a, you know, come up every single year with a whole different scenario. I never want to phone a book in. I never want to like, you know, cover ground that I've already covered. So I'll probably write slower <laughs> as, <laughs> as time goes on and just wait until I get these uh, you know, some inspiration. Well, let's see two books a year since 2009, yeah, you you could slow down to one book a year. You know, that, that's, that's that's the plan. Possible. Yeah, that would be um, nice. Yes, I just saw, and I'll pass this on for what it's worth because it's like just fresh in my head. But I just saw something online. I didn't read the whole article, but it fascinated me. And I thought I knew I was going to be talking to you this morning. And I thought I'm going to mention this to Mark. Um, it was an article, and I don't. I'm sure it's not the first one, but it's one that it was well written and and it caught my eye. But it was about shopping malls that have gone kablooey and are sitting there like you know prehistoric um, sort of remnants of the past when people of my age certainly can remember when they were you know in their heyday sure. and 
I thought, well, you know, that could be a setting for, you know, agents running around or, or hiding out or something like that. I don't know where the, the good ones are, but mm -hmm. I, I thought I'll pass that on to you because yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> when the Mall of America shut down. I remember a few years ago, uh, this movie, The Equalizer, came out with Denzel Washington. And he had this really amazing fight scene in a Home Depot. Oh, God. And the whole time I was watching that, I was so upset and angry because I'd had an idea about doing something uh, in a hardware store. And I'm like, now I can't do it. Now it's yeah. a ripoff. So, yeah, it's like these these big set piece place ideas like the mall of yeah the mall of america uh shut down and shuttered would be a great place for for an action scene or a zombie apocalypse uh, book that would probably be great right there right and wasn't there i'm thinking this was in the 80s but um i think there was a zombie or yeah a zombie movie that was in the mall when when the malls were active i, uh -huh. I can't remember what the name of that one was but i'm yeah. sure listeners will remember that well, uh, Mark, I, I always appreciate talking to you, and I, I think this is great. Um, what What's next? Are you, are you working on it? I know you said you had another thing already in the fire. You don't have to give us the title or anything, but is that pretty ready to go, or where are you at on your future projects? Well, I actually have another book coming out at the end of June. Um, wow. It's called Sentinel, and it's the second book in my Josh Duffy series. And um, the, the series has sold to... Uh, to be developed for a TV show. And I'm hoping that happens. But in the meantime, the second book, um, it takes place in Ghana in West Africa. So last November, I went over there and spent several days with the State Department at the embassy and diplomatic security, got to shadow the diplomatic security guys because my hero is a uh, is a special agent in diplomatic security. So um, I'm excited about that one too. I'm, st I'm still editing that one. I'm desperately trying to edit that one before chaos agent actually hits shelves um <laughs> so i'm i've i've got a lot of balls in the air right now well we're going to let you get to that editing mark graney it's always a pleasure i look forward to maybe another visit uh you don't stop coming up with a book so we need to keep you uh, we need to keep you uh, you know on our line as well so thank you again mark oh my pleasure enjoyed it bye bye